Hey, it's Christy. Welcome to Do The Work. Today and every day, we'll talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences. We'll discuss what emotional work looks, sounds, and feels like in our day-to-day lives. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with your God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Hello, I'm here today with my friend, Lindsay Schiss, and could not be happier to have her on here with me. I can see her face. You can't see her. Um, Lindsay and I lived across the street from each other. I actually recruited Lindsay into the neighborhood after we had <laughs> <laughs> a recruiter for the team, for the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, we don't live by each other anymore, but I'm so I consider Lindsay a dear friend, and I'm so grateful to have her here today. Lindsay, will you tell us just a little bit about, welcome, and will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, Christy, you didn't recruit me, but when I met you, that was when I knew it was, I needed to live there. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Neighborhood. Yes, for sure. It is. Um, so my name is Lindsay Schiss. I am a mom of four and wife of one. Um, <laughs> I love all things outdoors. Um, when the snow starts flying and everyone's sad, it makes me the happiest. So I love to ski, mountain bike, and hike. I I feel like I'm an avid learner. I love to learn. And right now, I, I went back to school a couple of years ago, and I'm working right now as a therapist doing trauma and addiction therapy, as, as well as working with couples. So, And I've actually heard of some people, not from you, but from them, who are your clients, and they love you and have been really grateful for how you've helped them. So, Oh, that's, thank you. That means a lot to me. I appreciate yeah. it. Yes. So it's, an, it's a wonderful work. It's a work of miracles for sure. It's awesome. It is. Okay, Lindsay. So I asked you to join us, um, to join, not us. I'm, I'm one as well. You're married <laughs> to one and I am just one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> to join me today because I want to talk, we're going to uh, put this podcast out. Um, Mother's Day is coming up and I want to talk about Mother's Day. I want to talk about the joy of being a mother and why so many women hate Mother's Day. They they don't like it. They don't want to talk about it. They're just, oh, okay, it's over. Um, I'd like to just any aspect of Mother's Day. I want to put some truth to it. I also want to speak honestly to the pain and the sorrow that can come on a day where um, motherhood is pointed out and celebrated. But for some people, it doesn't feel like a celebration at all. And honestly, I, my first thought or inclination was to just do a full podcast with you on mom fails because <laughs> no book of them. Yes, true. <laughs> That's not true, but I just, I know that you and I, we could probably laugh for a good long time about our own small sales. <laughs> so we could talk about that as well. Um, but really, Lindsay, your thoughts. When I say, when I sent you the text said, hey, would you come and talk about this and this topic? What are your thoughts? Mm. Well, when you first sent me the text about the topic, to be really honest with you, I kind of got a pit in my stomach. For a couple of different reasons. One, because of my own mothering experience right now. 
I have teenagers and I, my youngest is nine and I feel like I, um, it's a job that I desperately want to be successful at. And it's a job that I often feel that I am not and that I show up inadequately often. And so I, that was my first thought. And then my second thought is my history around motherhood with my own mother is, is complicated and difficult at times. And so, so I, I was grateful for the opportunity, but it also feels vulnerable in some, in some ways as well. No doubt. No doubt. And you are right in the thick of it. It's easy for me to say, can we talk about motherhood? And I have no children at home any, anymore. I have all the answers now because my kids are gone. I get that one day. I'm interested in that. <laughs> I'm here for all the answers. Because the, the longer I learn, the less I know about pretty much everything. But motherhood is definitely included in that. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. It, it actually was sweet. We were sitting here preparing to start this recording and uh, and you, Lindsay, said, hey, can you hold on just a second? Um, her son had just come home from school I, and, she, and you said, I just want to go say hi to him. And to me, I don't know. I don't know. I feel a little teary saying it probably because I don't have kids coming through my door anymore that I can go and say, hey. Yeah. I missed you. I love you. I'm so glad you're home. Don't yeah. bother me. I'm recording. You know, I'm telling <laughs> all the, the real truth about it all. You know, I I just I really believe that the comings and goings matter and that that my I want my kids to know that my face lights up when I see them. And I'm not always saying it does, but I want them to feel that it does and that their presence matters to me. And um I try to be deliberate that. I again I'm not perfect at it for sure, but I I I believe in that because I know what it feels like to be acknowledged and I want my kids to feel that. And again, I'm, I'm not perfect at that, but I, I'm trying. Uh, it's so beautiful. It was tender to me to just have you stop what we were doing so that you could go and say hello to him. So thank you. Lindsay, you mentioned several things, the, um, your, your mother, your mother, you being a mother, Tell me a little bit more. Tell me the what you meant by there. It's complicated and different. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was a junior in high school, my mom was tragically killed in a car accident. Um, it was a defining moment in my life that changed my life. And I feel like the course of my life forever. Um, my mom was, we were a blended family. And so not only was her death impactful, but the repercussions of her death was really impactful after the fact. Um, we lived with my stepfather and um, the dynamic of that living situation was really tricky as well. And then just trying to finish my high school years and then my young adult years um, without a mom. And then really my the parenting in general really shifted and I, I had to um, grow up in a lot of ways really quickly. And so, um, and so it's interesting, like as I'm navigating right now with my daughter who is 18, um, I just had a conversation with her a couple of days ago and I was trying, we were talking about, um, an issue and I just said, you know, I just am going to ask you for some grace because I don't, I I'm learning this. You're my, my oldest, but I've also never been mothered during this time in my life. And I just don't know what it looks like. So I'm trying my best you're my oldest, but I also am not even sure what it feels like to be parented around this time of life. And so there's some tenderness around that for me, for sure. Oh, Lindsay, your honesty, your humility, your willingness to say, 
I may be doing it wrong. I don't know. I'm learning. I'm learning right along with you Mm -hmm. here. I wish we could have your daughter on to say, how did that feel? What was that like? Um, That's that's that skill to say, Hey, I'm learning instead of I, because I'm the mom, because I said so is, Mm. is so beautiful, but your connection to it, that feels really sweet to me. Thank you. Well, you're kind. You know, it's been after a lot of mom fails that I've decided that, you know what, <laughs> I've got to learn the skill of asking for um, grace and forgiveness. And I, you know, it's it's something I'm trying to learn. So I, I appreciate that. But I, I do think my kids are now getting used to it. Like, oh, she's coming. She's coming to apologize. Here she comes again. <laughs> Another apology, right? But I, I, I want apologizing and and just kind of showing up honestly to be something that they, and to be really honest, that vulnerability with my children doesn't feel necessarily comfortable. But I want there to be a safe space for that in my home. So yeah. I'm, but thank I you. really, I think that is so wonderful. You know, one of the reasons that as you were speaking, I thought, I think one of the reasons Mother's Day is so painful for so many is because we have regret. Mm. We see our children, we, you know, they're like two for two minutes, it feels like. When they're two, it feels like 20 years. Yeah. And yeah. It yes. <laughs> but once they're out of there, it's like, oh my word, that was fast. Mm-hmm. And that is true for every age until they're up and out of your house. It feels like an eternity when you're in it. And then and then you go, how did that happen? In fact, I remember being in um, a Joanne's craft store and my kids were on the, ra- they were in the rounders, on the rounders. I mean, just they thought the craft store and unraveling all of the fabric was the best thing ever. And I was losing my mind. And right. I'm like, I needed a shower. I'd been sweating so much trying to round these kids up. It was horrible. And this sweetest lady comes up to me and just says, Oh, you are going to miss this one day. She like, and I looked at her like, what are you, are are we in the same like world here? What is happening? This, what, what is there to miss about this? Right. And yet, I saw her as a person that actually does miss those moments, even if they are stressful. And I think it's hard when you're in that messy middle with your children to think one day, like you just said, I won't have a child coming through the door. Mm-mm. Yeah, that, yes, you nailed it. You remind me. So if, so regrets are a, a big part, I think of being able to enjoy Mother's Day, recognizing that I was human, that there no one was like leading me with, you know, a YouTube tutorial through my mothering experience. YouTube wasn't around when I was mothering, if I can be honest. That would have been helpful though, seriously. (laughs) That's true. I had an experience. So when I learned that I could actually say, I didn't, I, I wish I could have a do-over. I would have done that differently. And I didn't know that for a long time. I just thought I needed to do it right, you know? And then if I didn't, just pretend like it's not back there, you know? That, well, just look at all the good that I've done. But when I learned that I could actually say to my children, I wish I could do that over. Tell mm-hmm. me how that affected you. I was actually, I was on a run four or five years ago. I don't remember how long ago. And I saw a mom running and one of her children was on a bike and another one was 
in a stroller or something. I can't remember the details uh, today. But I had this huge wave of emotion come over me as I ran past her. Mm. I have been running since my oldest was just a year old, probably. And when he got old enough that he could ride a bike, he would say, can I come with you? Can I, please, can I come? And, you know, at that time in my life, I'm like, I got to get this many miles in. It's got to be done at this time. And I, you know, I had all of the, I, I, I knew I was never going to the Olympics, but for some reason I had, you know, I had this limit here that I, I had to reach or this, whatever. Anyway, so often I would let him come with me because it seemed like a sweet idea, but I was so impatient. I was, mm. Brennan, you have to come. Why, you have to be fast. You cannot stop. You know, little kids are like, oh, rocks, a horse. Mm. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, look at the horse. Keep riding. You know, I had so little patience. And mm. I saw this mom stop running and, you know, walk with her son and help him on his bike and fix the baby in the stroller. And I mm. went home and I called Brandon and I reminded him we had a lot of it. And, you know, it wasn't just Brandon. It was all three of them. I'm sure of it. But I called him and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know how to be, how to be present when I was doing something that I thought was important. I'm so sorry. I'd love to hear how that affected you. And, you know, of course he's like, I don't even remember it. What are you talking about? Are you sure that, you know, he was, and and the truth is it probably isn't conscious in there, but I promise you it's a little wound inside of him. My hurry up. What are you doing? You can't do it. You're not doing it right. Get going. So the beauty, my point in bringing it up, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. My point in bringing it up is it felt, it felt sweet to see this mom, but I felt the pain of my own choices and the tool to be able to call him and apologize. I mean, he's 30. Well, he probably wasn't 30 when I, he wasn't 30 when I called him, but late twenties to say, I'm so sorry. And to say, if you ever feel any pain from that, come to me, let's talk about it. I want to apologize. Mm. feels like it's, it's allowed me to move through lots of that regret or pain that I feel from my own mothering. Yes. Your thoughts. That's so much because I think, I think it is so tricky because we as mothers have so many responsibilities on our plate, right? So you may not have been going to the Olympics, but you had probably 97 things on your to-do list to get done. And this was one of them, right? And maybe on that to-do list wasn't let's let Brandon stop and look at the rocks and, and, and have his time to explore the world, Right. And I've heard it said before that motherhood is not a list of responsibilities, but it's a relationship. And I often thought of that and it's actually pained my heart as well because I have been really good at the responsibilities, but Mm -hmm. sometimes in that, in that I have missed the opportunities, right. And some of the, the relationship opportunities, because there was so many other things that I felt like were in my face and demanded upon me. Right. And I just, when you say you called him again, I, it, it, it makes me teary because I think, you know, I think one of my fears in motherhood is that this margin of error is so thin and that I'm, whatever I do, I'm going to mess some things up. Right. And so it sometimes can feel paralyzing, right? Like, am I, I think I'm going, whatever I'm doing, I'm sure I'm 
doing my best, right? But I'm sure I'm messing it up somewhere. And the reality is we probably, we are in some, in some place we are, but yes, but I think showing the humanity of, I actually saw, I made a mistake and I want you to know that. And I think when we start to say like, we're not robots, we actually have these experiences and that you don't, you're not denying your humanity, right? Like you have these feelings and experiencing experiences and letting them know that this is, you were learning too, and you were growing. And and I think that is one of my false beliefs is just the fear of that razor thin, you know, that, that there is this margin of error that's so thin. And that if I cross it, I'm what's going to happen to him. I'm you know, I'm going to be to blame. That feels like such a responsibility. But again, the redemption is, oh, the ability to turn around and actually have a conversation and say, I made a misstep is so powerful on both ends. That's so true. It's never too late to ask for a redo. It's mm-hmm. never, it's never like to be, to, to recognize a fa- I hadn't thought of running with my kids on their bikes for a long time. And it's almost like I was finally at a place where I could see my weakness, not mm-hmm. beat myself up about it and be open to just apologizing and saying, I'm so sorry. I, I had another experience. My daughter and her family were here um, watching my dog. I was out of town recently and they were here staying at the house. And I have these plates that I really love that a friend gave me. and She bought them at this special place. And um, they're just these two small plates. I love them. And they sit on this table. And I, uh, I hadn't, I came home, they went home. I hadn't seen them. And then I got a call from my daughter who's a grown adult, but I could, I could sense her fear and in sharing that she said, mom, you know, those plates, I I try to be really careful when, so she has two little girls who I adore. And, um, she, she said, I try to be really careful when I come over and put things up that would be, you know, not good for them. My house is pretty kid proof, but these Mm -hmm. plates have been not have been there, you know, anyway, she said, and I'm sorry, we didn't, um, we didn't, I didn't get them up soon enough and they're broken. And anyway, oh my gosh, I didn't mean to cry this whole podcast. (laughs) I went and looked at the plates and they're totally glued. I mean, you can see the glue They're They're glued back together. And old Christy, young Christy would have been upset and probably unkind. I would have been sharp. I would have been, you know, you know, those are important to me. There's a whole house. Well, you know, that's not who I am today or how I would respond. And I was so grateful for the opportunity to say, it's okay. Plates mm. break sometimes. Thank mm. you for watching my dog. I love you. They're okay. It's going to be okay. And the opportunity, even though she's a grown adult today, to respond differently than I would have responded in the past. Yes. You know, I'm not I'm not parenting parenting her the same way, but the opportunity to just say to be different, it doesn't matter how old they are. It mm-hmm. felt tender to me. And I will keep the plates and you can tell they've been broken. <laughs> okay. But also maybe, Christy, that brokenness and actually the glue might represent something for you that's really profound, that that she matters more than those plates. And your experience 
and saying to her, this is what matters and it's okay. Like I, I love you. And that that's okay. To me, that glue is actually representative of some beautiful connecting moments and some growth. I I think that's a beautiful thing. I so agree. And so many more things. When you said that, I'm like, oh, it could represent all kinds of things Mm -hmm. in our family. So yeah, that glue. That's a, that's a really good thought. Anyway, so the ability to say, I'm sorry. And, and just the opportunity to, I'm going to try again. I'm I'm going to do this differently this time. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that can help us. Absolutely. And I really do believe that we have to demonstrate that for our children, right? If we want our children, we're we're sending our children out into these worlds, this world, right, that is messy and that is full of difficulty and disappointment. Are we willing to allow our kids and and say, "Oh, wait, this was messy. I didn't mean to do that." I'm sorry this happened. Like, I think sometimes we have this idea that we should protect our children from all things hard and pain. And the reality is, actually, if we can help them work through some of that and and us be in a place of vulnerability and honesty so we can stand there with them, to me, that's what feels connecting and helping them launch into being these beautiful human beings, right? But it is, it's like, I heard it said one time that we need to read less parenting books and more books about just being a good humans, good humans, because guess what? When they see us humaning well, they start to, that's what they will in turn be able to do and give them the courage to do, even in the messy world that we live in. So true, Lindsay, that, that we're not here to do it right every time. We're here to learn, grow, and progress. And every experience can give us that opportunity to learn, grow, and progress. And, you know, when you say that, a thought that comes to my mind is that gives me such hope on those moments where I need to come back and do a redo. Because if I look at it in that way, then that is then that feels like progress, growth, and progression, right? It's not just, oh, I muddled it up again. Actually, this is working towards bettering myself and my connection with my children and and demonstrating what it looks like. So that feels like that paradigm shift feels really hopeful instead of, oh, this is doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So what are your thoughts on Mother's Day? What What's Mother's Day like for you? Mm. So it's interesting that you ask because I've all, I've had a friend who also lost her mom and she has sent me a text for, I don't know how many years. And the, it's the first text I get in the morning and it it's always happy dead mother's day. Oh. And I have always for a long time, like just thought, Oh, this is a hard day. Like this needs to be a hard day. And then I had this moment of like, it actually can be both. It can be a hard day where I, feel a little bit of lack that my mom hasn't been here and hasn't been a part of my life for so long. And it also can be a really beautiful day where I can look at me as a mother and the other people, by the way, in my life. And frankly, you're one of them that I consider mentors and, and that have mothered me in very important ways. And that has changed my, it's actually has changed my paradigm around it. But I've also realized that two things can be true. It can be a really beautiful day and it can be a really hard day. And I can be okay with that. Yeah. 
the range of emotions that you might be invited to feel on that day or the days leading up to it. You know, lots of times we don't even connect um, that our mood days before Mother's Day, like we're like emotionally preparing for things, but there's so many invitations for different emotions on a Mother's Day. And, you know, we're talking about Mother's Day, but this absolutely 100% applies to Father's Day and lots of other days, birthdays, right? Like it, it doesn't really matter what the day is. If there's an expectation on the day we get to become really aware of what we're thinking, feeling, how we're um, maybe our our expectations or what we think should be happening on that day. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I think Mother's Day is hard for some women. There's well, there's a few. You tell me where you want to go. One is women who have not had children of their own. It would be a very painful. It could be a very painful day. Um, for Mm -hmm. them or a different day for them. Also, maybe a woman has expectations of what it should look like on that day. And that doesn't happen. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me other thoughts, other reasons why this could be a a unique or um, a day. I think think both of those are so are, are, are felt and experienced so deeply. I also, and, and I, they're so valid. I also think it's a day where we're celebrating all these mothers and we hear about all these wonderful things that are happening and that mothers are doing. And sometimes it feels like it shines this spotlight on what we're not or where we lack. And Mm -hmm. I think it can bring this guilt up in us that it, oh, that's what that mother does, or that's what, oh, they talked about their mother this way. And boy, that's not me. That's not where I'm at right now. So I think it can feel like it shines a light on where we, where we're not as where we're, you know, where we, where we perceive our lack to be. So I think there's multiple reasons why it's a difficult day. And when you said, you know, it's some of those days with expectations, I thought, isn't that the truth? Sometimes we don't even know those expectations are there, frankly, until all of a sudden we're disappointed or it we're, you know, there's a little pain point that's pricked and we don't even know until it's pricked. Right. And um, you know, or it can be, we're in the produce aisle and we're getting broccoli and all of a sudden <laughs> we have a thought come over us or we hear something or we, you know, we, it, it can be a smell, whatever we, something happens to us and it pricks that pain point in, in us again. So it can be these really substantial days and it can be on aisle seven when we're picking up tomato sauce. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's weird to know when they're going to hit us, right? Absolutely. Yes. And part of emotional work is becoming more aware of our responses. So we're in aisle seven, we feel something. And probably if you're like most human beings, you have a quick way to distract from the feeling, right? You'll jump on your phone or you'll like head towards the cookie aisle or, you know, whatever. We have ways to distract. So an invitation that I'm always going to give, and I'm guessing you give it in in your work as well, is this invitation to say, be mindful, notice, notice 
physical responses. Notice emotional response. I find myself in my pantry so many more times than I'm actually hungry. <laughs> or or <laughs> walking <laughs> <myself. laughs> I do. Walking past yeah. the house. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Hey, we've all been there. If that's the coping mechanism of choice, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> Except for hopefully I'm learning and I do feel that I am, but it, to be able to go and, Oh, what am I doing here? What am I mm-hmm. not wanting to feel? You know, you mm-hmm. look in your cart. So you're on aisle seven, you have some kind of a trigger uh, or a thought. And, and then you filled your cart with things that are going that you think are going to bring you comfort, but really are just going to numb the feeling that you may not have even been aware of. So yep. Yeah, it's it is absolutely the truth. And I think when I say it's Oreos is our coping mechanism of choice, I really am kidding. And the fact that I really hope our coping mechanism of choice is leaning into it and recognizing it and saying what's going on for me and why am I having this experience? Right. Um, and, and the willingness to actually sit in it for a minute and recognize it and 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 again, when you said recognize it in your body, I can't tell you that so many times I will talk to clients and the, they'll they'll talk about you know anxiety, depression, all these other things, and I will say, "Where do you feel it in your body?" And mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you something. It is often very hard. They'll say, "Like, well, what do you mean?" Because we want to just push that down, and we're not we're pretending it doesn't exist because it's uncomfortable. We don't want we're we live in a world that wants things to be happy and the easy button to be right there and available to us. Right. So I, I love that. And the awareness I think is the first step to saying, okay, something's going on for me. What's really going on here for me. And the willingness to lean into it is when we can actually go through it instead of just pushing away and going and eating all the Oreos. <laughs> and we're not, we're not saying Oreos are bad. No, I mean, I love Oreos. Nope. <laughs> Oreos absolutely have their place. They do, for sure. Exactly. Okay, so if we've been discussing this, I really want to touch on comparison. And I here's my challenge to every person listening to this, especially women for this Mother's Day. Notice, if you don't love Mother's Day, notice and look for comparison. Look for any comparison, a comparison of who your mother was or wasn't, what your neighbor's doing, what your sister's doing, what you saw on social media. Notice where there's comparison and and see how if when you take the comparison out, does that change your Mother's Day experience? If there's nothing you're comparing to, but just having a day where you are celebrated as a woman or as a mother, no mm-hmm. one's allowed to compare anywhere. Is Are you going to have a different experience? I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. Now, here's the challenge. We live in a world that gives us steady doses of comparison all the time. I mean, there are entire industries built on comparison. So I think we're in a comparison mindset without even knowing we're doing it, right? So taking that comparison out, I think we would have to, we, we're going to need to be super deliberate about it. What is, you know, and I think again, recognizing, well, what is it when I go on Pinterest or Instagram or I'm thinking like, what is it? Where do I feel it in my body? How do, how do I experience it? That's when we're going to know, oh, I'm a little deregulated and I'm, I'm in comparison, right? But sometimes it's going to be a little tricky to even know we're doing that. I, 
there's just this little piece of me that wants to say, where do you compare? No, there's ah. a piece of me. I'm asking you, like, what, where do, where do you feel you, you're um, maybe invited to compare? Where, where does your shame want to compare to other people? Yeah. Good. Let's get to the heart of it right here. <laughs> Just expose this right now. Okay, let's put it all out there on the table. You know, when I think about what I compare to, again, I think it's tricky because I think there's some conscious comparing that I don't even know I do, to be really honest. Unconscious comparing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I'm not aware of it. But when I think about the comparing that I do, what I would actually say is probably the the person I'm most aware of as a mother is my own mother. And I think I compare myself to her often. And I compare myself in good ways and and also in ways that are like, oh, maybe not as good, right? And for a long time, I've had to kind of grapple with that. Like it had to be, no, I just saw her this way or I just saw her this way. And I finally have gotten to the place that, okay, actually I can see both the good and the mistakes that she made. And I'm really hoping that in that, and I maybe and it is comparison, that I can look and say, I can learn from those mistakes and hopeful my kids can start learning from my mistakes. Like, because I think when we think about comparison, that is the person in our lives that we that we understand the most in this role, right? And so I and I and again when I say like getting better. I hope it really isn't that I'm, I'm saying, oh, this is a critical thing. It's actually, I hope generationally we can keep getting better and better. And so can comparison, right? Could it be a shame-based thing or could it also be something that is like, "Mm, maybe there's some good that can come of this as well? Oh, that's a really good insight. So, so not comparing our weaknesses, right? But maybe acknowledging or recognizing differences mm-hmm. and and learning from either the things that our parent didn't do well or that they did do well, taking it and using it for our own benefit and, and growth in our own yeah. role as a mother. And honestly, I hope my own kids do that with me. I really do. I hope they do it with me. And I hope that four generations down, we're, we're so much better than we were. Than, than, than I am, right? Because I hope we're learning from that for Me, sure. I do too. Okay. So let's, let's quickly discuss false beliefs. Do you know what I mean mm. when I say that about parenting, about motherhood? What are just, let's just <laughs> like throw them out. What are some false beliefs that we might believe that are actually the, they're absolutely true, but are not the truth. Okay. Um, I think one of my false beliefs, like what comes up to me immediately is that my children are a product of me. Like they are an absolute, just they're, they're a reflection on me. So good. One of my, if you want to see me get riled, just give me the statement. You want to know how good of a parent you are? Just look how the kids turn out. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Are we looking, are we looking at heavenly father going, Ooh, Dang, he lost, he lost a lot, you know, no, no, that is not true. Such a good point. So, so the, our ability to set, so the truth is not, okay, say it again. You're saying the false belief is that my, that my children were a product of me. 
like that they are my product, like almost like they are this blank canvas and I get to decide exactly what they're going to look like. And so I have this wonderful product to give the world when they're grown up. So good. Okay. So that's the false belief. The truth is, the truth is, is that they all come in their own, they come in their own beautiful way, right? They come with their own traits, desires, tendency. And my job is to say, okay, I don't need to put them in this box. So it makes me feel comfortable. So it makes me look good and feel okay. Mm -hmm. But that I start to be okay with exactly who they are, right? That I don't need to put them in this box. So that's the truth. And, And I really believe that the story of, in my mind, this canvas that I've painted of who I think they should be really keeps them from being who they really are. Yeah. Right. So even if it's positive, oh, you're the dancer, you're the academic, you're this. Well, what if that's actually not how they want to be defined? Yeah, right. Well, and that's not who they are anyway. Right. It, it is something they, they do. Yes. Exactly. It's not who they are. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. And it also is again, we're we're putting it in this box to help us to feel more comfortable. So good. Yes. So the truth is not, you know, you are a product. Our kids are a product of us. The truth is our children are individuals. We are their parent. We affect our children for sure. Choices that we make, the ways we respond to them, we affect them. And our job as a parent is to help them learn how to become independent human adult people who can launch and and contribute to society and to this world. Yes. And helping them to be okay with exactly who they are. Yeah. Right. Well, that's hard when we're not okay with that's the point, right? I've got to be okay with them being exactly who they are for them to be okay with them. Yeah. I mean, I am the mirror that they see themselves through. So I have to be okay with that. But that requires me getting rid of my canvas. Yeah, it's so true. That's hard. It it is very hard. And when you say okay, it doesn't mean you agree with all of their choices. It doesn't mean you're like, hey, live and let live. Do whatever. I'm just, but the command from God is to love. It is not to make sure your children make every choice that you think they should be making in all the right ways. It is to love. And so to let go of our desire to try to control them, uh, we have to parent. But when we step over into control, then we know that's actually about us and not about them. Right. And don't you think our Heavenly Father is the perfect example in this? He says, he gives us agency, right? And he says, and, and and I I have this picture in my mind and it might be really silly, but I picture like one of those little ant, those like where the ants go through and they make all the tunnels, right? And, oh, yeah. and they all these different ways of getting to their destination. Yes. And I wonder if sometimes it's like, he kind of pictures it like this, right? You're, we're all going in these different places and he allows for us to have these experiences and, and doesn't say, uh-uh, oh no, we're going to go do this, right? He allows for us to do that and learn along the way, right? And and doesn't come in and with fear and and in control, but allows us those things. And yes, it doesn't mean we step away and we're not parenting. No, but but it's very clear when we start stepping into control, it's usually based out of fear, right? Always, I would say always when we move into control, it's it's based in fear. 
Yeah. I'm so sad. I'm looking at the clock. There's so many more things I would love to talk about with you. I know we could go on and on, couldn't we? <laughs> we do. We generally do when we're chatting. <laughs> so today, Lindsay, if you were going to say after listening to this podcast, if you want, we're going to work, not you, well, you and me and anyone who listened to the podcast. Oh, on the podcast today, I learned that I could do this work. What are some of the things that we've addressed that here's the work from today? Okay. The, the first thing that, I, that comes to my mind is giving, allowing ourselves to have do-overs, telling our kids when we need a do-over and, and, and actually showing them what a do-over looks like. That's work. Okay. Also showing up and, and recognizing maybe where we have some false beliefs about what our role is as a mother, what we should be doing, what our kids should be looking like, whatever, right? What are those? And, and where are they showing up for me? I think that's a big one too. Really? And also for me is not denying my own humanity as a mother, like allowing me to feel all the things, the good, the bad, the disappointment, the ugly, all of it. And that those are, all those feelings are welcome. And they also can be teaching moments, not just for me, but for my children. So well said. Thank you. I would simply add to that. The Mother's Day is a day. It is simply a day. And we get to choose how we respond to the day. Remember, our thoughts create our feelings. So if I hate Mother's Day, what am I thinking that's creating the feeling of Mother's Day? Lindsay, Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a dear friend. And I love to watch you mother and your vulnerability and honesty in how you mother is really endearing to me. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Always is. And wish we just had more time to do it, right? (laughs) Me too. Thank you. You will have many choices in your day. I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience, or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire, and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.